How's it going? Um, how is it going? I always just say good, and then I like have to backpedal and be like, "Is it though?" Um, I am not too bad though. I am having a a nice evening here in New York City, live from New York, baby. It's not live. This isn't a live show. Um, and you are in. Are you in D.C.? No. Where are you? No, I'm just north of. I'm just north of New York City in a city called Mount Vernon. Ooh. Yeah. What is Mount Vernon's claim to fame? Uh, we produced Heavy D. Also, let's see, Heavy D, Puff Daddy, uh, a few other people. Okay, okay. So, not bad, Mount Vernon. You know? Yeah, we we did all right. Yeah, you're doing all right for yourselves up there. Um, the last time I saw you, I think, was, it might have been a couple of years ago at Michael DeForge's book tour when Bergen Street Comics was still open. I was just about to say that's, um, I think that was the last time I I remember seeing you in person. Um, I don't know. Did we even get a chance to talk or did we just sort of like say hi as we were like going about our business? I feel like we chatted a bit. Um, God, honestly, most of what I remember from that night is, um, yeah, Michael, just kind of being great. Uh, I briefly lost my phone, but it had slid inside. Uh, you know, if you have a bag and you have like a liner, but the liner gets torn. My phone oh, had like yeah. slid into the nether zone in my bag, and I was convinced that I'd lost it. And then um, people were just roasting uh, some comics man who was there, uh, who was like this, you know, alt like punk kind of guy who thought pretty highly of himself and his name is escaping me um but he was sort of just being uh one of one of them one of those guys um and that's what i remember and bergen street comics obviously which i'm still not entirely over because it was a very very cool place yeah i i thought that i might i thought i might not be interested in comics anymore after bergen street went away i mean it's just it was just such a you know, you know when you've been getting along with whatever circumstance, whatever happens to be in this case, comics. You've just been getting along, getting along, and then the perfect version of that thing shows mm. up, and all of a sudden you're like, I can't go back to the way it was before. Yeah. Like I ever since then, I, I may have no, not since they've closed, but since they opened, I've never felt comfortable in like a normal comic book store. Mm. And sort of like I make weird faces when I walk in there. And, <laughs> you know, it's just like, why do you have so many non-comics things in this place? You know, but, you know, I mean, I'm not over it either, but I I'm like inching always closer to being over it. Because I don't think that I don't think there's anything quite like it anymore. No, it. I mean, not that I know of in the city. I mean, in Toronto. Um, you've got the Beguiling, which is a great shop. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, afraid not. It's, it's lovely. It's a great little store and it's sort of been a hub for a lot of the scene in Toronto. But, um, yeah, comic stores, I mean, I'm not the most qualified person to talk on this, but they're a weird space. And like, it's weird to me too, that like, you know, if you look at conventions too and stores, the ways that a lot of those spaces have survived and gotten bigger even is by just becoming like fandom, like media fandom spaces. So like Forbidden Planet, which I walked past on my way to the Strand today, is just like they mostly sell toys, right? Like I, th- I think the whole front half of the Forbidden Planet store is strictly toys and like T-shirts, stuff like that. It's it's really weird it because I know that that's the stuff that keeps them going that mm-hmm. keeps them in business but but uh, I just it it because it's the way it's shaped it's kind of a bottleneck so you yeah. really like feel like you're walking through a gauntlet just to get to the comics it's weird yeah and I've been in other comic stores that are kind of like that too and and yeah like you say I, I guess it probably is because the the merch stuff is what is making the money um but like i'm going to 
New York Comic Con uh, for the first time. Actually, I think this, I think I will have been there by the time this episode goes up. So I either had a great time or it was a nightmare or I didn't make it out. Um, and um, it's weird to think of that as like, it's like, oh, it's a Comic-Con and a lot of my comics friends will be there. Um, and some of them are, are giving talks and things or, or promoting work. But I think of it when I think of New York Comic-Con or I think of San Diego Comic-Con as kind of spaces where the next big Marvel movie is going to be advertised. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds about accurate. Um, I have never been to the San Diego one, but I've been to New York Comic Con a bunch, and it's it's really weird to when I think about New York Comic Con. I'm not going this year, um, but um, it, it it the thing that's really strange is how how big it always has been, but how comparatively small it was when it first started. And I remember like it wasn't that expensive to get in. And I remember just sort of like, just sort of wandering around like, "Mm, okay, this is fine. And like, you could just walk around the halls and it's not always like, okay. Actually I remember it was famous for like being like overcrowded, but like somehow I missed that famous, like like the fire marshal had to shut half the place down (laughs) for some strange reason. I have like really bad timing, but in this one case in my life, I had really perfect timing. Like it didn't affect me at all. Like I was casually walking around the floor when they like blocked it off and nobody could get in. I was hanging out in the panel rooms when, when people were trying to get in at a different time. And it was really weird. I guess like heard about it like later online. I'm like, Oh, it was like, everybody's like, Oh my God, it was terrible. And I was like, Oh, oh okay. I was fine. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was weird because even though the tickets for those type of mainstream shows always cost a lot, my memory of it is just sort of like, eh, okay, I'll spend a little money and do something this weekend. And then just sort of like bumbling down there and just sort of, I don't know, hanging out and mm-hmm. just meandering a bit. And now it's so high pressure. You said you haven't been to any of them before at New York Comic Con? No, I haven't been to any New York Comic Cons, although I have been for something that I think might prepare me a little bit, which is uh, PAX. Oh, that's the video game con. That's the video. It is. Yeah, it started in Seattle and now there's one, I think, in Boston and um, maybe somewhere else. Um, But that also is just this huge thing that I started off as this small little little thing by these two webcomic guys. and now is just like this enormous industry space. Um, like I think probably the preeminent consumer game convention now, although now that E3 is opened up to, to consumers as well, it's um, maybe that is, but it, they're weird spaces. And I think most people go like my, my attraction to those kinds of things is usually just to see people that I know. Um, I don't like lining up for things. Um, I usually don't have much money to spend on things. So um, that's sort of what I'm looking forward to. At Com- and also just from an anthropological perspective, uh, having never been before, um, I just kind of want to see the sights, you know? Yeah. Now, I'm just, just, just as a point of curiosity, I don't know enough about video games, but like, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> but like at the, at the one you're talking about packs is when you say it's consumer focused, does that mean that like, there's lots of places to actually play? Yes. Or is, yeah. Okay. You see, that is something that I would, I think I would like that more than a comics show because you don't actually read comics at the comic mm. show because Reading is slow, and you have to like keep crowds moving to have a yeah. convention. So I would really like to check, just like walk around and see like lots and lots of terminals to like play whatever games or whatever type of things that would like. That seems like it would be a lot more interactive and fun for me. But like, like the closest I've seen is that at New York Comic Con, there's like somebody's got some kind of thing, but it's like only one little section, not like a big overwhelming part of the show. So yeah. It, yeah, it's more of a novelty that like one one company has brought, not like the point of the show. So I, that sounds like more interesting than New York Comic Con is because 
<laughs> I think the biggest thing at New York Comic Con is like the cosplay and people watching and just sort of checking out like what people are visually doing. Yeah, no, that is a good point. Like fundamentally, I mean, it's a different kind of medium. And so, yeah, like it is true that the game stuff, I guess I never really thought about that because I haven't really been to many other big conventions, but like that is kind of cool. Like you can walk around and people are like, do you want to try this thing? And they give you a controller or a keyboard or something and you can try something. Whereas, yeah, at a comics convention, um, yeah, that's it's not like quite the same. I mean, you can see sort of, you know, like bits of art and um, banners and things but you're if you're stopping to sort of page through a book it's a little like yeah it's not it doesn't really I think it's like work. the opposite <laughs> yeah like it's considered extraordinarily rude to just like stop and just just carefully read not flip through but just like yeah what this is about <laughs> people get so mad yeah well i mean it's also weird if because packs like people aren't selling their i mean there are there are merch tables but um you know a lot, like the show floor is like the people showing things that aren't released yet mm. so it's not like um if you're playing something they're like so are you gonna buy it <laughs> whereas like at <laughs> comics conventions it's like Oh, I don't want to like go up and look at something because I don't want to like I've been behind a table and I'm like I don't want to create the impression that I might buy something when I don't already know that I like it and like it disengaging is so complicated. It's such like there's a weird set of social rituals around that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that most people who go to comic shows have definitely made escape purchases. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, well, I've been here for a little while. Let me just, oh, God, what's the cheapest thing this person has? Here we go. Five bucks. Great talking yeah, with you. Yeah. Thank you for that pin. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what's really painful is when you're trying to do that, but when you realize that there's just nothing there for you and you just have to be mm. just, so then your eyes snap back up to the person and you say, well, <laughs> and then you stride <laughs> away. Yeah. Uh, um, so I don't know what I'm going to even do. I haven't looked at the programmer. I don't think I'm going to go to talks and things. I don't want to, I don't want to sit down and listen to someone talk about Spider-Man. I don't want to hear Stan Lee talk about Spider-Man at Comic-Con in New York. I could just watch the Spider-Man movie and see Stan Lee in it. You know, yeah. it's free. I don't want William Shatner to sign my copy of Tech War. Well, I do. I do want that very much, actually. Yeah, that whole thing is so weird, too, like the signing like industry. I recently read uh, the last book that Carrie Fisher wrote, The Princess Diarist. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, which I don't really recommend, uh, but like, it just is not like that great a book. But there's a part where she talks about like becoming the kind of celebrity, like going from the kind of celebrity who is on top of the world and like everyone knows and is like a superstar to being the kind of celebrity who like, can't turn down con appearances and doing signatures yeah. and it's so weird. Uh, I, I i mean it's weird like I, I i wish that i understood that a little more because it's it's one of those weird things where there's a person who's who's like it's now their job yeah to remind you of what they used to be i guess yeah yeah and that sounds like incredibly draining and <laughs> yeah and and so many of them go through it like like they're actual superstars but whether it's because they've aged out of their like famous role or whatever or if it, you know or if some kind of trend is you know and it's just like wow you can't really do too much else i guess like mm -hmm. let's just like you can't like get a regular job once you're like in a, you know, like, yeah, it's weird. You can't, like, work in a cubicle. Yeah. You can't work at a TCDY. Um, <laughs> my favorite text on this phenomenon is the film galaxy quest. Mm, I don't have know if have I you ever seen one. it? Oh my God. Okay. So I mean, fuck Tim Allen just off the bat, but oh, yeah, I definitely um, didn't see that. he sucks. But this movie came out in the nineties. Um, and Tim Allen is in it. That's true. But um, a bunch of really great people are in it, and it's basically about this like crew or this yeah the cast of a, like a Star Trek show um, gets sucked into like a real like galactic conflict because 
some aliens have been like receiving Earth broadcasts and believe that you know they're like an actual Starship crew. Uh, um, and it stars Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Tony Shalhoub, uh, Sam Rockwell, um, <laughs> like so many really amazing people. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's like. Um, it's it's a kind of about that because it starts off with them being at this con and like they don't really do anything else besides like do signatures um it's it's yeah it's like a weird space to be in um do you do many of these like these cons or do you go to like the smaller like actual ones that are actually about comics well i for all intents and purposes i don't travel Mm-hmm. So, like, the furthest I go is down to the D.C. area for Small Press Expo. Mm-hmm. But um, I I usually find my way around to the New York shows and to Small Press Expo. Um, for some reason, for some strange reason that I can't really fathom, I've never been to MICE, the Boston uh, comics, indie comics show. Mm-hmm. But, you know it's still within my normal range of what I would do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I go to a few New York comic con has always just been the fact of being a New Yorker just, uh, and, and working in comics, you can, well, no, not anymore, but you used to be able to get into New York comic con as a pro pretty either free or super discounted. Mm-hmm. But at some point I think they realized that it's New York <laughs> city and everybody works in comics. <laughs> so they right. were like, Oh wait, we cannot do this anymore. Like I know friends who are way more into the comics career than I am. Like, like their names are published inside of books and mm. they can't get, they can't get a pro pass. And it's like, Oh, right. <laughs> Cause they really have to say like, you're a pro, but what kind of pro are you? You know, like, and once you've been in something for free, there, you can't go back. So, <laughs> um, yeah, um, I so I figure if I can't if I can't either get just get a pass, or if I can't get um, invited to speak on a panel or something else that would get me in there for free, then I I don't really see myself going to that show. Also, I. I think that that show kind of really messed my head up the first time I went there because mm-hmm. um, when the first time I went there, I was, I was very, I was in a very closed off, I don't know, not negative, but resistant state of mind. And the, the sort of culture of like, uh, I'm not going to say positivity, but just the culture mm-hmm. of like success that was being projected by a lot of what was there really changed, really messed with my ideas of like what I should be doing with art and like steered me pretty far away from what I was doing before, which was like the kind of art you make when there, when you don't believe there's any possibility that somebody will pay you for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was like, maybe I should make stuff that people will like. It was a terrible idea, (laughs) but, um, so I got pretty annoyed at myself for like allowing the illusion of like, or just like the idea that like, if you tweak things, so just so you might end up like doing this for a job, you know, you had all these book publishers, you had Tokyo pop and all these people out there who were like promising you the world. If you just draw comics a little differently. So I was like, maybe if I draw comics a little differently, terrible idea. So <laughs> what you need to do is just um see we love your comic, Daryl. We love your comic. Um but we have some notes. Um I think if you could add um like a a guy who's like an old man and he's like kind of a genius, but he's also sort of mean, right? And he goes <laughs> he goes on adventures, but check this out. He turns okay. into a pickle. Oh. And Whoa. Put him in, um, uh, put him in the pocket of Doctor Who, and Doctor Who goes to pull out his uh, his magic wand, and it's the Pickle Man instead. And he says, "I'm the Pickle Man," and that's the comic, I think, right there. Wow. Well, it's a good thing that you're recording this because we are going to need to go back to this. TM, 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 TM. 
Original character. That Do not. is already a t-shirt by speaking that. Even if this episode hasn't gone up yet, it's already become a two things shirt. Once you put that energy um, out into the world, it's it's part of it. That's the secret. That's the only part of the secret. That's true. <laughs> yeah, no, that is that's um I think that is a hard thing to come to believe, even if temporarily, because um you know, there's all of this research on, well, I say all of this. When I was in um, in college, I took a psych class, and one of the things we talked about was, like, extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation. And um, the second that you have, like, extrinsic motivation for something, it reduces your intrinsic motivation a lot of the time. So, like, if you think you're going to make money off something, if you just change it, um, yeah, I think you come to start to resent it, like, it, when that doesn't happen. Um, you're like, you start to resent your work and audiences and yourself. And like, it's not a great road to go down. Yeah. So, um, that really, cause, um, I definitely, I was, I was very fortuitously listening to, um, Sophia Foster Dimino on another show. And she was talking about the exact same thing somehow. And, I and I and it was like I was listening to that earlier today, and I was like, yeah, sort of like this striving to do what you think is expected of you mm. until you realize that what's actually in you is different from that. Yeah, and it's it it seems weird because you're comparing what you're thinking, what you're doing, to what the external world is doing, and you're like, well, I must be wrong because this is. You know, this is how you write a narrative. You've got your your arc and your save the cat or something along those lines. <laughs> and and in this case, we're talking about like narrative. But there's all this is in, in all the arts. There's whatever you think of that's generally associated with it. Like even going back to like even in this day and age, like for example, we look at poetry. We know that poetry is wide open, but like when people say in the most common way people are like rhyming though the poems rhyme right mm. or they have like some kind of rhythmic thing going or both and there's this just and so when you take it back to um narrative there's like well there's these arcs there's rising action and all this stuff and we we think that when we have ideas that are different than that that our ideas are either incomplete or wrong or even if we are like confident enough and centered enough to believe in our ideas so we don't think that our idea is incomplete we still like well but how will i convince these other people that mm -hmm. i know what i'm doing and that i'm not failing at doing what they're expecting mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know and i had so I, I remember being very angry um like a two-hour drive of just like just like shouting angrily because i went to a show and um nobody understood what my comics were and they were like they kind of looked at it and had that sort of pitying look like oh you're not good at this and i was like i'm a genius <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what i'm doing <laughs> you know and mm -hmm. and like this thing of like and like not to literally say that i'm a genius it's just more like you're looking at me next to these people who are doing superhero things and you think that I'm failing at achieving this mm. when what I'm really doing is something completely separate. That's not on the same, it's not attempting to do the same things. So it can't be succeeding or unsuccecting mm -hmm. at doing things. It's just, it's, it's something entirely different. And so, yeah, you know, and you know, this is kind of the thing where I always get sort of mistrustful of like movies because of like this idea that they should all have the same basic plot structure, no matter the genre, no matter the intention of the movie, they're all, they should have this sort of like way to be. And I just, you know, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that like every single person's idea is a beautiful, unique thing, but I don't think that everyone's idea is the same story mm -hmm. arc. It's frustrating sometimes when people, want to impose a grand unified theory of how some form works and just say this is 
how all films work or this is how all and you know it can be useful sometimes i think if you're analyzing things to be able to start off and say like oh that makes sense i can i can sort of grasp the the building blocks of of these stories but to then just stay at that place and say these are all the same fundamentally is like well then why bother yeah and sometimes it's not even that big of a jump to just want to say that i don't like I said, I don't think everybody is exactly the same. So like the one story idea is, I think that's completely nonsense, but I don't think people are different enough that I, I think that like there might still be less than 10 major variations of overall idea. It's like, it's not infinite. Mm-hmm. The amount of difference there are in people's thoughts, but it's also not, one thing it's just a few things a few different types of intentions you know a few mm-hmm. different types of motivations i think i don't know i don't know i <laughs> but it, it, it's just one of those things that always like when i think about new york comic i think about oh yeah that's the time when i walked in there and uh, got corrupted by the possibility of money <laughs> <laughs> i just get really bitter at myself for falling for oh. it <laughs> but um yeah um and the funny thing about that is that um, a lot of those things either collapsed or turned out to be kind of like weird fraud things. And you're just like, oh, I guess if I had just stuck <laughs> with what I was doing to start the first place, then, you know, be further along in where I was already going. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it is upsetting, I think, how often some of those things turn out to be frauds or exploitative of young people who are uh, talented and energetic and hungry for success. And, you know, they have these publishers promising people that and they sort of just drain them and then cast them aside because they're always more excited, eager young people. Yeah, it's just a, I mean, I guess there's some truth then to those like, you know, like those cartoons or whatever where like they're capturing the kids and using their youthful energy to like power a thing (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like a sailor moon episode i feel like that's several sailor moon episodes i think that might be every one of them (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely but but it actually went past sailor moon too i think there was like i think there were a lot of those things or at least that's the way i remember i mean that's also the vulture right in spider-man that's his whole thing isn't it Oh, well, I don't know. The movie? Because in the movie, he was just like, like, I want to get rich. But I don't know. Whatever. What was this thing? Because in, um, in the 90s cartoon, which is my strongest familiarity with Spider-Man, um, he was an old, old man. Um, and he, I think this is, yeah, he was an old man. And he had powers where he could, like, steal people's youth i think um i don't remember much about that cartoon except that there was a vampire character and and from the comics and they changed him to um they couldn't say blood so he just said plasma all the time (laughs) oh god The, the rules of cartoons are so strange um they're like because some of them are arbitrary and I was super aware of it as a kid because it's just always so awkward where they would be like, destroy them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was really fond of um, the dominant uh, Dragon Ball Z translation or adaptation where they couldn't say they were going to kill someone. So um, they're just like, send him to another dimension. Oh, my God. Or the next dimension. It's been a long time. I'm sorry. Don't at me. (laughs) It was something something like that. But by that point, I I hadn't gone all the way around to finding it charming. So at that point, I just found it kind of like off-putting and like, uh, why can't they just... And like, we know what you're saying. Why can't you just say it? It's a little weird now. But um. Yeah, um, there were a few that had, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there were definitely a few cartoons that had, like, they they thought that they cracked the code, and they would, like, phrase it a certain way, 
but it's also weird. Like, I think you could pat, I think that like, if it's said in a certain way, you could passive passively be killed. Like, mm. like, let me see, like, don't go across that bridge. It, you'll be killed I, in some cartoons you could like say it that way but you can't be like i'll kill them <laughs> so it's like it's really weird like like they are so strange with the just the kind of and and, and i don't know actually i mean i may be remembering some things wrong but it's super weird especially because like when you were a kid playing with action figures you were always just like kill 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 die murder you know so like <laughs> I don't know what they thought they were getting away with. Yeah, you can't express intent, maybe intent to kill. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, that stuff is com- and like comics too. The I mean, the whole comics code is just so storied and complex and bizarre um, in its history. Yeah, that, like the but kinds of things you can and can't depict. I I think that by the time that by the time that. I was reading superhero comics. The comics code was basically just being trampled on. Like it didn't matter for what they were doing. Like they, like when you looked at the comics code, they were already like breaking like a good half of it or more. And so it, it, it it's kind of strange, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, I don't know. I go back and forth on it. Cause I also think that like, it's weird because like, once they got rid of the comics code, there's like it was like, yeah, great. But then like they've got like weird sexual things happening in superhero comics. And I was like, and, and that always like really creeped me out because like it's like like it doesn't creep me out when it's like as fans writing that stuff. Yeah. But it creeps me out for it to like be the official version when it's like, <laughs> you know, like, come on. Like we have like and because then then it's like why don't kids read comics? And then like Spider-Man versus like, you know, blade murder or whoever, you know? And it's like, I don't know why kids don't read comics. Maybe because like they look like they shouldn't be for kids. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What was that cartoon that came out recently? The Spider-Man one um, that everyone was mocking because there's a still of Harley Quinn. Yeah. Harley Quinn. And she had like two butts, basically, because of the way her crack was drawn. Oh, I do not know. Uh, Bruce, there's someone, Tim? Bruce Tim is the person, but I don't know what that, um, I don't know exactly what it is because I don't watch any of those. Yeah. Like, it, I don't know. It, they make a bunch of those things and I don't watch them, but like, but oh, I saw that and, and like, I wouldn't have noticed it if somebody didn't also like explain it. Yeah. In but when I looked at it, like I just sort of like stood there and just sort of like leaned back in my chair, like, "Are you wow?" Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing too where I just like looked at it, and I think um, just like, being exposed to these kinds of images all the time, I'm just the, like a nerd to it. Like I'm used to seeing like artists draw bodies in ways that just don't work, like that don't make any sense. Um, but like then when someone pointed that out, I was just like, "You couldn't unsee it." It's just like, <laughs> what? Like what? She got. She's got two, bu- two, bu- two hiney. And that's like... the thing. Like, if you wanted to do a character with two butts, you could do that. But like, there would still have to be some anatomical rules. Like, it, it like, it just wouldn't even make sense for that. Because it was like, it was. I think the way it was drawn, it was that it was as if it were two different poses. Yeah. Like she was bending over. And so it's like, it would have been like at this angle and this angle, except at the same time, very weird. So weird. So weird. Comics are too horny. Yeah. And, um, and I don't know. Mm, mm, I don't know. That's very strange. <laughs> <laughs> like, like those, those comics were intended for, for like little kids to just sort of like have an adventure before they like, went to school or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and then sort of like people, yeah, like I said, like, I, I, I don't think there's anything weird or wrong about people reacting to the official comics with like, whatever, like horniness, perversions and interests that they have. But it's sort of when it comes all the way back around 
from the like official version mm-hmm. that it's just sort of like it starts excluding people at that point yeah it's uh yeah i mean like you know like I was about to say I'm like sex positive and all, but this it's not even like really an issue that of that. It's like an issue of like, does this need to be in like every single piece of media? Does it need to be media that is like primarily still like for like it's like comics and like obviously comics and, and films based on comics are for adult audiences as well. But like, like Star Wars movies, like they're kids movies like you know it's great that there are adult fans and everything and i think the creators realize that but like they're children's media like it's like harry potter right like at some point and like i don't think it's cool to have a double standard where like oh violence isn't okay or violence is okay but sex isn't but like it just like wigs me out sometimes when it's the official stuff yeah i i worry about that um i don't know if i'm gonna personally come to a point where i reconcile the sex violence double standard in our society um because it's super ingrained and it's sort of like it's weird because it doesn't hmm. i guess the thing that really weirds me out about it is because there's like violence is just bad where sex has this whole range that doesn't include necessary that doesn't it isn't specifically bad in and of itself in the most general sense. So you've got like, so it's like, well then, you know, but then there's sort of, but, but like we have this different weighting system in our culture. So mm-hmm. one is more volatile to us mentally just because we've been trained that way, I guess. So it's like, I don't think that I, I don't think that you can actually escape Oh yeah. You can't just like turn in. it off. Yeah. I know. That's the thing I think a lot of people so forget. Then, yeah so then i'm like like i'm so much more comfortable with like you know in star wars than like blowing up a spaceship with everybody on it (laughs) but um i'm more comfortable with that than like a kiss that lasts too long on screen Mm. for sure so i think that's problematic about our culture and overall but like then on the other hand it's like but that is the cultural rule so like why are why is there this push to like shove sexualized media into things that were originally intended for children it's like they're gonna grow up eventually like you know what i mean like we don't need to rush them rush them you know yeah and it's just like it's because too like the other thing about it too is like it's not just like this oh it's this is an equally you know this is like something that equally affects all children blah blah blah. it's like i mean it's it's like it shapes kids minds differently based on gender right and like if superheroes are always these like weirdly like butt focused like too too (laughs) butt having like harley quinn it's like well that's like what little girls have and like it's i don't know man like can we not can we just chill for and like they're having comics that have done that and it's like really cool where they've just been like Oh no, we're just gonna have like a woman character who isn't like two butts. Um, but yeah, no, it's complicated, and you can't just like think your way out of it, and you can't just like you know state your way out of it either. So just gotta yeah. keep grappling. I I was almost positive that you were gonna say grabbing, and I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> no, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, um, do you want to move on to a segment? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, This segment is called Get Wrecked. Get Wrecked. Named by Michael DeForge. So that kind of brings it back to the beginning of this recording really nicely. Um, And this is a segment where we recommend things to our listeners and the things that we recommend, oh, the things that we recommend, they can be anything as far as the eye can see, um, or things that you can't see with your eyes, like love, or <laughs> like the color of the wind, or uh, subatomic particles. Those are all things that we can recommend. And um, I like to leave it to the guest as to whether or not 
they would like me to go first or whether they would like to go first. So I will offer you that choice. I have a couple of ideas for what to recommend. So why don't you go first and then I will be solid in my decision. All right. I will say it's not unprecedented to have more than one. Okay. Uh, You would not be uh, breaking podcast law by doing that. Um, So if you want to, if you end up wanting to do more than one, we'll, we'll allow it. Um, Okay. So, uh, my rec this week is a comic, actually, because we've been talking about comics a lot, and I want to recommend a comic. I started reading a comic called Delicious in Dungeon. I believe it's called, like, Dungeon Meshi in... That's not how it's pronounced at all. Um, in the original Japanese, it's a manga about... Um, basically, like, it's a slice of life of kind of like a D&D dungeon crawling party. And so the whole point of it is that they're trying to go down to rescue one of their teammates who got swallowed by a dragon and they are really broke. And so they can't afford food and they can't afford equipment and things. So their plan is they're going to eat the monsters they find in the dungeon. And it starts off really simple because there are things like walking mushrooms and, you know, wild animals and things. And um, they're relatively easy to cook. And like, there's all of these spreads of like really gorgeous looking food um, and like with fictional recipes for them. But then it starts getting more complicated when they start encountering things like living suits of armor um, or like zombies and things. And they have to like figure out like, okay, how are we going to feed ourselves on like, the monsters that live in like the lower levels of this dungeon. And it's, um, it's extremely funny. Um, it's really cute. Um, all the characters are really well written and like, it's kind of comic where like, I think it could be like uncomfortably horny or like weird if it were written by a man, but, um, the artist and author is a woman. And I think that really changes sort of the tone of it. Um, there's this one woman character who is like, just doesn't want to eat monsters and it's like i just want to eat a steak leave me alone this sucks and uh the main character is just like obsessed with eating them and um but in any of their comics she might be like the killjoy character who's like just ruining the boy's fun but like in this comic she's basically like the voice of reason and like the the reader sort of vessel because she's just like i don't want to eat like a some kind of weird like basilisk egg this is horrible um but then when she actually does do it she's like oh this is actually good um so yeah there i read the first volume on comiXology um and i think there are physical volumes out at this point too there's like uh i think the first two have been released in english the second one i think just came out in august um, and I think the rest are sort of being released over the next year or so. So that's my rec. Uh, it's a good comic. Check it out. What have you got for us? Okay. So I've got a long term recommendation. Please. Because this one just happened. The New York Art Book Fair, mm-hmm. uh, that Printed Matter puts on. Um, this was, um, at the time of this conversation the this past weekend so okay. i figure <laughs> that if there's 52 weeks in a year and this is going to come out next week that gives everybody listening 50 weeks to get their arrangements together to come to new york next september but um yeah the the new york art book fair is a really um i mean i've been there a few times um in the past but usually it kind of overlaps with Small Press Expo, which is a comics-focused show that I mm-hmm. usually attend. And um, this year it was on a different weekend. And it's, uh, it's, it, it's weird because it's the entire museum and grounds of PS1, which is... Um, okay, so PS1 is a, a museum in New York City, and it's, uh, as the name suggests, it is actually formerly Public School 1. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but it's been a museum for like years and stuff. And so for this event, it's, uh, it's this big convention. So it's like 
you know, we started off talking about conventions and I guess we're going to finish off that way, huh? So, mm-hmm. um, so it, it, it's cool because, um, there's a little bit of blend of, of blending with, uh, the zine scene and the indie comic scene, but like only kind of the fringy, fringy parts of the indie comic scene that kind of blur over into like the pop fine arts world. I feel like, I don't know. I kind of get like juxtapose, uh, hyperallergenic uh, v- vibes from mm-hmm. from like the stuff there, and just like lots of like street art kinds of vibes in general. Oh. But like, it, it, well, I mean, there's all types of stuff. Uh, some of it, you know, sort of interesting to see things there, but also some of it's just sort of like, oh wow, this is like really cool, like. These, whether it's cartoonists that I know or artists that I may have seen out of the corner of my eye all the time, it's like, like, I'm not sure if it's because of the space, but it feels bigger because mm. there's like a whole section outdoor. Have you been there actually? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. So there's this section in the front that they have a giant tent and uh, it's the zine tent. So it's like there's an entire zine fair at the new york art book fair oh wow and that's so no you can walk in there go to the zine fair and just and just say great fantastic i'm leaving and not actually (laughs) go into the thing inside the museum they have like just more tables like more publishers of like but it's like art book publishers so like i said there's like a couple of comics people in there but mostly it's more of the of i i don't know i don't even know what that's called just I don't know is I don't know if that's fine art or or just some other thing. That's why I'm grasping at yeah, words. Yeah, no one's and, quite sure. But I mean, it's printed matter, which is all oh, right. Yeah, printed matter is like um, I guess it's a store in New York. Mm-hmm. It's like sells art books and zines and a lot of cool stuff. Got some again more comics crossover there. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like if that store was blown up to the size of <laughs> PS1 and then uh you could just like interact with like artists, photographers, designers and so on and so on. And and you know they've I mean it's you got the bad stuff that goes with shows like overpriced food and stuff like that, but it's also good because it's free. So you can just mm. stroll on in there and see what you want to see if you want to buy stuff. Me I didn't buy a single thing, but like I'm also a broke person, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but you know, no, there's lots of stuff to see. There's a, a few, like a few of the rooms in there they have as galleries because it is an art book fair, not just a book fair. So, you know, you have, so it, it's like very visually stimulating and sort of like supercharging. Like, so like if you're like me and you do like weird art and you kind of feel like, man, does anybody even get what I'm doing? And then you kind of go to this place where, it's like all the weird art concentrated for a weekend that, hmm. you know, it's kind of like a little bit of a boost or a little bit of a bit of therapy encouragement to this. Like, no, 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 you're, you were on the right track. You are not alone out there making your weird stuff. And um, yeah, I had a great time without, without spending a dime. So that sounds so cool. Yeah. That's my recommendation next year though. <laughs> but there is the store too um which which sounds neat i'm looking at it up right now um and i'm gonna have to get over there yeah i recommend it i've i've only visited the store once but um it is it's a really um it's a, it's a, it really is just cool to just see that this is like a place where that type of art kind of lives and mm. exists and there's like a context for it it's not just floating out there and for me, seeing the context of things is really fundamental and like to just like understanding it more and like getting like, oh, I get what this is for because I see what the sub what the subculture, what the mentality is surrounding it. And so now the art that, that this type of art makes sense to me. And that kind of goes for any kind of art for me. Yeah. That was a great rec. Cool. Thanks. And I'm interested in checking out yours too. So I'm gonna want to look into that when we're yeah done you should it's just a really cute little comic all the characters are well it's mainly just like the one character who's really over enthusiastic about eating monsters there's a whole arc where like 
Um, cause it's, it's kind of like D and D, right? Like it's very light and like, you know, people are resurrected when they die in the dungeon sometimes. And so the first time he was killed was by this one monster. And then he like, ever since then, he's just like, I'm going to eat you. I'm going <laughs> to eat this monster. And, uh, he finally does it. And he's just like, to think I could be scared of this delicious monster. Um, so yeah, it's good. I'm going to read the second volume soon, I think. Um, yeah, well, I think that. That brings us to the end of this podcast. Is there anything that you would like to plug before we go? Or would you like to tell people where they can find you online? Um, I don't have, I don't really have anything to plug except, uh, um, you know, I, I usually try to get to these shows in New York. So comics art Brooklyn in November, um, Mocha art festival in next april and probably small press expo next september just keep going around and around um as for as for where to find me i'm daryl io one word on twitter and on a bunch of other platforms as well cool great well thank you so much for coming on it's been great to catch up thank you so much all right well i will talk to you later have a good night all right good night bye bye Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co slash messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>